0: All right, everybody say, do it yourself. You know, what? I, I don't know about you, but do it yourself does not work for me at all, okay? Uh, so I, when I try to do it yourself projects, then I end up in a catastrophe of life. And, and so I've just learned I'm trying to do my best to do it God's ways, amen? Everybody say, trust God. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to trust God. And I, uh, before I get into the message, I just want to say thank you for your giving Uh, recently we just sent uh, 60 60 suits, ties, belts, different things to Central African Republic, Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo. And let me tell you how how God is awesome. When I committed to do that, uh, and then I just got a text that said, hey, we forgot the women. What do we got? I said, I'll get something for you. But but we sowed that seed into Africa. We sowed those football jerseys into Wake Church down in Las Vegas for their, their Christian football team. And uh, and so it has been amazing. Uh, last uh, the other day on Thursday, I picked up sixteen, excuse me, seventeen pallets of, of clothes, of jeans, of pantyhose, of, of anything imaginable. That energy drinks, all those kind of things. And then we got a phone call on that Thursday as I was picking that up, that Walgreens is gonna. We had an opportunity to grab a Walgreens semi truck. Uh, it was going to cost about five thousand dollars for shipping, and or forty one hundred for shipping. And, uh, and I asked the lady, I said, well, you know, I don't know. And she goes, Vic, you want to take it? She said it's worth $187,000 worth of stuff for the Dream Center. So give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. and Man, like, man, like Bobby said, you, you, if you just do it God's ways and trust God, he will take care of you. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 18 as you're turning there. I do want to remind you. Uh, the pumpkin patch is next week for families. We, we've got pumpkins ready to almost ready to go, and, and we just invite you to come out. We should have a, a hayride wagon to take you out to the pumpkin patch, just sort of hanging out and, and doing that as a family. Then also, if you are interested in serving uh, this Friday, we're going to be doing the Moberly concession stand. And so just message me and say, hey, we, I would love to serve, and we would love to have you be a part of that. But I want you to, when I read this, I want you to ask, Whose prayer did God answer? Whose prayer did God answer as we talk about humility? And then next week, I'm going to close out the humility series. But Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And I'm going to read through verse 14. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like these other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at the distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. Saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. And then this has been our theme for the last month and a half. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, for the next 15 minutes. Father, that I pray that each one of us just don't hear the truth today. But we need to experience the truth. And Holy Spirit, you have to help us experience, experience that truth in an incredible way. Father, teach us how to function in the kingdom of God. That, Father, we desire to do life the way you desire us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a simple story about two men who prayed two very different types of prayers. The first man was a Pharisee. He was at the height of the religious ladder, the height of notoriety and respectability in the culture of that day. And the second man was a tax collector, and he was at the bottom rung of the ladder of respectability. Tax collectors were hated, they were Jewish, but they were hated because they they, they partnered up with the Roman government to tax the Jewish citizens and, and, and they supported the Roman occupation of Israel and, and whether they supported it or not, they, they profited from it and their life was made better. And then, so you look at these two guys, the gap couldn't have been wider between these two individuals. And it's interesting because when you read Luke chapter 18, they're in the same place of worship at the same time. In other words, they're in church together. You had the Pharisee that was on this side of the church and the tax collector who was on this side of the church. And the Pharisee begins to pray as we read, Dear God, notice me. I'm not like these people. He begins to compare those. and, And then he signals out the tax collector. In other words, he's like, man, I'm really not like this guy. And the tax collector, he prays a much shorter prayer. He said, God have mercy on me, I am a sinner, as he beat his chest. One prayer was a commentary of who he was and what he did. I pray, I give a tenth. I do this and I do that. And one prayer was a confession. One prayer was about impressing God with who he was, and the second prayer was about expressing a need. One prayer prayed, look at me. And one prayed, forgive me. One man prayed, I have God's blessing on my life. And the other man prayed and said, Father, I need your mercy and your grace on my life. And so the underlying question I think that Jesus was really wanting to get was, whose prayer do you think God heard? Whose prayer do you think God heard? Because no matter what your preconceptions are of the tax collector or the Pharisee or or we could say in modern day vernacular, those that are educated, those that are uneducated, those who live a certain way, those who don't live a certain way. Whatever that is, when you study it out, the answer is very obvious. God heard the honest prayer. The honest prayer. Jesus said of the tax, the tax collector, I tell you this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever... Humbles himself, will be exalted. Everybody say, trust God. So the question is, how does humility handle my personal relationship, my vertical relationship with God? Because we've been asking ourselves every week a daily quiz, the greatness quiz. If we want to be great in the kingdom of God, what is that? Will I exalt myself or will I humble myself? And when you exalt yourself, you end up with this do-it-yourself design for relating to God. It's all up to you. It's all up to you. It's sort of like the video, those, those people did it themselves and they got into trouble and, and we laughed at their expense, but yet it's no accident that the Pharisee who was immersed in religion had fallen into this do-it-yourself trap. And let me tell you, family Life fellowship, the longer you're into this thing, the more you've got to be careful, the more you hang around church and Christians, you've got to be careful that, that you don't fall in to this do-it-yourself trap as a whole. Because when we start out, we have this fresh dependence on God. And we're depending on God because <coughs> we don't know anything in our experience. But eventually, we slide into a less challenging reliance on ourselves. Because after all, we've made progress in this faith thing. After all, we've memorized verses. After all, we pray. After all, we fast. After all, we give. After all, we serve. Well, you know, God, I've got it all figured out so I can take it from here. And suddenly you find yourself depending on yourself or a do-it-yourself religion, per se. And you study, and I think no Pharisee intended on becoming a Pharisee. The Pharisee didn't wake up one day and think, wow, I think I'm going to, in my pursuit of God, I'm going to get as far away from him as I can and, and what it's all about. So I'll build rules in my life that will ruin my heart for God. And the reality, a lot like us, he just slid into it step by step and rule by rule, condemnation of others, condemnation of others, comparison of others, competing with others, judging others. Just close your eyes for a moment. We sang a song about revival. But maybe we just need to ask our individual selves, have I slid into this trap? Have I slid into this trap? You can open up your eyes. See, Jesus tells a simple story about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and it serves to encourage us to break out of this discouragement of a do-it-yourself life and a do-it-yourself religion. Because we think, well, I can do it on my own and we'll be humble, and, and, but that's not what it is, and I don't need anybody to help me, and we are humble, but that's not it. And, and I don't need to receive because, because I'm, I'm a giver, I'm not a receiver. But yeah, the Bible says it's blessed and more to than received, but but it didn't say you stop receiving. Come on, say amen. So, in this story, Jesus points to the signs of a of a do it yourself religion and if you 've been reading the one year Bible, uh, Jeremiah is talking about this too that that the children of Israel who loved God and worship God suddenly got into their selves and, and they were doing it a do it yourself type religion they were going through the trappings of all this stuff and and, and, and as you begin to I'm going to go through three warning signs for all of us that if these start popping up in your life, you are depending no longer on God, but you're depending on it, you do-it-yourself. And the first do-it-yourself thing is you become confident in yourself. You become confident in yourself. The feeling begins to creep in the back of your mind that God is fortunate to have you as a follower on his team. Man, man, God is blessed to have me. If he didn't have me, then the kingdom wouldn't be forward. the ministry wouldn't be happening. And then the second warning sign of do-it-yourself religion is you become condemning of others. And whenever you quickly and easily fall into the trap of condemning others, and this is where we miss it here, folks. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Fruit. You'll know them by their love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's how you'll know people. You'll know people by their fruit. But God is the judge. Amen? You're not to judge, per se. You're only to judge them by the fruit in their lives. And if that fruit's not being produced in their lives, then you need to help draw that fruit out of their lives. But when you start condemning others and you start judging others and you start looking at others, how whatever it is that it is, then that's given you some evidence that you're learning to depend on yourself. And then the third aspect, the third warning sign, is you become content with the externals. Well, I fast, I give a tent, I serve on the dream team. And there's nothing wrong with those externals. But if that's all that's left, you've become content with the trapping of religion and you miss the intimacy of a personal, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just going through the motions, but it's going through an intimate relationship. Every time that we gather on a Sunday, our prayer is that you'll experience the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And it's not just that are new. It's not just those that are Randolph County or watching online, but it's each and every time you will. Everybody say, I will. That you'll experience. And if you're not experiencing the presence and the power of Christ, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Because let me tell you, we experience all the time. Friday night, Trish and I went on a date night to Troy, Missouri, and we went to church, and it was one of the most refreshing, reviving times, and, and we didn't tell anybody we were coming, we just showed up, we sat on the back row, because we got there late, I mean, no responsibilities, it's wonderful, come on, say amen, and we got there late, and uh, we were just sitting there, and we, the only thing I didn't want to do, I was like, I didn't want to sit in an overflow room and watch video, I want to see you in person, and I wanted to see the guy who led the largest revival in America share. Had four million people in five years come through his church. Come on, say amen. It's just, I wanted that, to experience that. And I had to begin to ask myself, how do I get out of this trap of this do-it-yourself religion? And it's simply trust God. Everybody say trust God. God. So in the last ten minutes, this is what I want to talk about. I just want to simply talk about trusting God. The night before Jesus crucified, his followers were anxious. They were confused. And Jesus knew that. And he knew what was about to going to happen. He he knew that everything was going to change. The disciples in their discernment knew that everything was going to change. What they knew as norm was no longer going to be norm in their life. And just like us, when we don't have certainty in our future, we start getting a little bit of stress. We start getting a little bit of worry. We start getting a little bit of anxious. And I love what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse 1. Catch this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also in me. Everybody say, trust God. God. Folks, it's simple. Trust God, trust Jesus. When you're stressed out, when you're worried, when you're panicked, when you're full of anxiety, trust God, trust Jesus. Trust God, trust Jesus. A whole lot easier said than done. The word troubled here in the Greek don't let your hearts be troubled. So your mind's going to be troubled, but don't let your heart. Because see, if you get the word of God in your heart, it becomes the dominant plant, the mustard seed, and it takes over everything else in your life. That's why you've got to hide his word in your heart. Because whatever it not is faith, is, is sin, the Bible says. But, 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 but the word trouble in the Greek gives us a picture of water being stirred up as a stormy sea. That when the storm hits, trust God. When the storm hits, trust God. The best counsel that you can give to somebody when a storm hits their life is simply say, trust God. I know it's not what we want to hear. Come on, say amen. But it's what it is. Trust God. And the problem is, especially with men, something happens in your family, something happens in your business, it's a stormy sea, and as a man, we want to fix it. We want to fix it versus trusting God. We want to fix it versus trusting God. Something's going on in our life, and something's going on in somebody else's life. And the first thing that we want to do is we want to fix it. Like when we're sick, the Bible says, call the elders of the church to have them anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith that you might be healed. But, but immediately we want to fix it. Verse calling to say, you know what, I'm going to run to the altar and, and I'm going to have them lay hands on me and pray while you're making an appointment with the doctor. Come on, say amen. I mean, it, it, it's, it's trusting God. We want to fix it. But the Holy Spirit is not a fix-it person. He is a mender. The Holy Spirit's a mender. And because we f- want to fix things, we exhaust ourselves. And we fatigue ourselves. And we wear ourselves out. But true humility before God. Says, God, I'm going to trust you. When the storm hits, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Your soul here is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Are you experiencing... That rest in your souls. Last night, it was probably from about 3.30 a.m. to about 4.30. And Dana, I wasn't ignoring you. But she just came up and told me that her granddaughter had just OD'd. I'm doing a funeral for a young man who OD'd on Tuesday. But from 3.30 to 4.30, I was just doing war in the spiritual realm against fentanyl. I was just binding it and, and, and loosening it and, and praying and, and I couldn't get to sleep. And, 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 and then after I did that warfare, I just went right back to sleep and slept for the next hour, hour and a half. And, and because addiction is real. And so as I close come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Rest from anxiety and rest from depression and rest from worry and panic attacks I'll give you rest Jesus said are you experiencing his truth are you experiencing his truth when it comes to your mind and your heart because when you experience it it becomes very personal and very powerful I told my wife we were at the meeting on, on Friday, and walked out of the meeting. I said, "Honey, my, my hip really isn't hurting anymore. It's been hurting for months. I mean, excruciating pain where I to even stand up during worship is extreme." And I was like, "I was like, man, it's just like either the magnesium that Jeff and Heather had me taking is really kicking in after three weeks, or prayer, or both of them are coming together and and it's working and." And I'm like, man, I feel good. This was the the first Sunday in months that I stood up and I was like, man, there's no burn. There's no sharp. There's no. And it just sort of happened. And what I'm saying is if you're in the midst of a storm, you'll see light and peace. You'll see the presence and the power of God in the natural realms of your life that is trying to speak to your spiritual realm. It's trying to speak to your spiritual realm. And what I'm saying is don't miss those natural moments that, man, you could be driving on a dark road and you're going through a storm, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, and you're driving and all of a sudden you sort of pop a little hill and and all of a sudden there's this, this, this light that's everywhere. And God's saying, man, it's going to be okay, trust me. Or maybe you're driving, and suddenly you see a rainbow. And I mean, it's not like a half a rainbow, it's not a partial, but it's the most bright. And you're like, and God's saying, hey, it's going to be okay. Or you're you driving down the road, and you see these deer lying in a pasture. And they're peaceful as cars, and it's it's hunting season. But yet, God says, it's going to be okay. Or the sun pops out from the cloud. God saying it's going to be okay. Or you see an eagle flying in the sky. I was telling my granddaughter the other day, I said, I saw this, this, this young eagle flying. I drove back by it every day and maybe it's saying God will say it's going to be okay. Just trust me. God wants you to broaden your perspective to help you grow more aware of the fact that he's working when we can't work and God is working when you can't see him at work man this is i want to knock it down with this learn to say what God says what does God say I will give you rest as you go through the storm well, how do you say what God says God will give me rest
1: as I go through the
0: storm God's going to give Vic rest as he goes through the storm. Yes, the hurt's real. But God makes his presence and his promise and his strength just as real. His promise is to calm the storm in your heart that you face the death of a loved one, sickness or disease, your company closing. Trust God. Everybody say, trust God. Jesus understands the storm that rages in your heart. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Trust in God and trust also in me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, our relationships are either growing in trust or sliding towards a do-it-yourself religion. So Father, we come to you and ask the Holy Spirit, how do we need to confess our needs in prayer? How do we need to depend on you to meet our needs today? Because Jesus, we want to experience your presence and your power. Jesus, we want to experience your peace and your joy. Jesus, we want to experience the truth of your word in our life, Father. We don't, we're tired of hearing about it in everybody else's life, but Jesus, we want to experience it in our life. How do we get there? How do we arrive there? How do we get to the point to say, Lord, I want you to hear my prayer? And I want to be able to go home justified. surrender your life to Jesus you surrender your heart to Jesus if that's you in a minute Calvin will come up and dismiss there will be people up here to pray for you but I want to talk to you that maybe need to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Jesus I surrender you my failures my sins my mistakes my guilt my shame and I ask your blood to wash it all away. To wash it away. And Jesus, I receive you and ask you to come into my heart. I don't get it all, and I know I may not have much left, but I do understand that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by you. And I can't trust God if I don't trust you, Jesus. So the first step is trust in you. So Jesus, I'm trusting you to save my soul, to secure me an eternal place in heaven. Jesus, I'm trusting you that once you come into my heart that you'll send the Holy Spirit and he'll be my comforter and he'll be my guide and he'll be my counselor and he'll be my convictor and he'll be everything that I need to do life on this earth. Lord, I trust you that you'll lead me to greener pastures and still waters. I trust you that you'll lead me through the valley of the shadow of death to eternal life in heaven. So Jesus, come into my heart right now. Jesus, I trust you that I put on the garment of praise. You'll remove the spirit of heaviness. Jesus, I trust you that if I bring all my prayers and and supplications to you, that you'll give me a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus, I trust you that if my heart and my mind stays on you, Father, that you'll give me perfect peace that Isaiah 26 talks about. Lord, I trust you. That when I'm weak, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even though my situations around me are not happy, but Lord, you'll give me strength. Lord, I trust you that you'll capture every tear that I cry in a bottle. And Lord, that if I sow those tears, that I'll come with a harvest of joy. As Psalm 126 says. So Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Jesus, I resurrender my life.